Demons Discuss, Take 49, The One with the Word. Welcome to Demons Discuss, the unofficial podcast about the All Souls universe and the topics that orbit it. We are your hosts, Angela, Jean, and Valerie. I am Valerie, and with me is Angela and Jean. Hi, guys. Hi. Hello. What are we talking about today, Angela? We are talking about Shadow of Night, Chapter 23. We've had a hiatus with our TV episodes, and now we're back to find out what happens with Diane and Matthew after they've... Yeah! Yes! Yes! They miscarried. It wasn't supposed to be that cheerful. Oh. <laughs> okay, but we are back with the chapter episodes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into this part real quick. This podcast is sponsored by our wonderful patrons. This is going to be a quick shout out about Patreon. Quick because we have a lot of listener feedback to get to. This podcast is sponsored by our listeners, not a mattress company, not a food delivery service, no underwear here, just our fabulous listeners who enjoy the ramblings coming out of her mouth. Gene and Angela, give them incentives. Shout them out really quick. Just After show, two small dollars. Swag. Swag, lots of swag. Yay. Tote stickers. Stickers. Tote bags. Okay, so if you're interested in joining us, go to patreon.com slash demons discuss. I think that's the shortest promo we've ever done for Patreon. So, <laughs> moving right along, let's go to our discussers emails. Let's do it. Gene, start us off. We're going to kick it off with the bang. Okay. Our discusser-in-chief, Stephen. Yay! He's got lots to say, as always. Okay. Do you hear Stephen's voice before she even starts reading it? I do. I know I do. do. And I won't do nearly as well. (laughs) (laughs) Following my latest read of Chapter 23, I picked up on the topic of Goodia Alsop's house ghost gossiping about a spectral squabbling near Newgate Street. This was the chapter before Diana wove her forespell with the Garlic Height Gathering. Ooh, and we get a history lesson. Newgate Street is now at the southern end of the A40 in London, northwest from St. Paul's Underground Station. The new gate itself was an entrance in the Roman London city wall and ditch near the present-day intersection of Old Bailey, Gitspur Street, and Newgate Street. The Franciscan Greyfriars Church was established on Newgate Street within the city walls from 1255 until the dissolution in 1538, where Matthew got his old lodge. (laughs) The church on this site was destroyed in the Great Fire of London in 1666 and is currently the location of a modern building of the finance house, Merrill Lynch. Ooh, the competition. (laughs) Well, we like Uncle Morgan. Yeah. One of the squabbling ghosts was the medieval Queen Isabella of France, who was born in Paris in 1295. Following her marriage to King Edward XI of England in 1308, at the age of 12, Isabella was Queen Consort of England. By 1312, Isabella was estranged from King Edward II following his alleged homosexual relationships. In 1326, Isabella, with her lover, Roger Mortimer, deposed the king. Following Edward's capture and imprisonment at the request of Isabella, he was reported to be killed by by being sodomized with a red-hot poker. Yikes. Wow. Ouch, that hurts. That hurts. <laughs> Isabella donated a tenement to the Grey Friars in 1353 or 1354 and was buried in the church there after her death in 15, 1358. At her request, she was interred in a casket containing Edward's heart. 
in his book, Walking Haunted London, Richard Jones writes that the ghost of Isabella clutches Edward's ghost heart as she haunts Grey Friars. She's kind of a badass ghost. Whoa. <laughs> the other ghost was Lady Agnes Hungerford. In 1518, Agnes and her first husband, John Cotell, were staying at the Farley Hungerford Castle near Bath in Somerset. During their stay, Agnes incited her two servants to strangle her husband and dispose of the body by cremation in the castle oven. Oh my yes. God. Shortly after this, Agnes and the owner of the castle, Sir Edward Hungerford, were married. Edward died in 1522, brave man he was, leaving the castle in all possessions to his wife. However, shortly thereafter, the new widow and her servants were charged with the murder of her first husband. Lady Agnes and one of her servants were convicted and then publicly hanged in February 1523 or 1524 at Tyburn, London. After her execution, Lady Agnes was buried in Greyfriars Church. Again, in walking haunted London and ghosts of London, these meritocidal ghosts met within Greyfriars and a night watchman got caught in the midst of their fight. <laughs> Watchman was so scared he fled and gave up his job. Oh my gosh. Wow. As one does. <laughs> wow, that is an awesome history lesson, Stephen. Thank you so much. Wait, so I love keep it that. straight. The Isabel and Edward are the Braveheart related Isabel and Edward. Yes? I'm trying to think. It would have been Edward Longshank's son. She was she was the one that was known as the She Wolf of France. Okay. Alrighty. Is that helpful? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, no, but thank you, Stephen, for the history lesson. I love that. I know. I love ghost lessons. And it's just another testament to how Deb packs in little history lessons. If you're willing to look and research, uh, you can find out. It's a good way to get out of work. And he's got a few more. As a P- <laughs> Another one as a P.S. Okay. Uh, Queen Isabella figured into the Chris- Christopher Marlowe's play Edward II. Oh. Mm-hmm. And a post-postscript, Farley Hunger- Hungerford Castle has a number of 15th century wall murals with St. George and the Dragon, which is interesting in yeah. a number of ways. Thank you, Stephen. Yes. Yay. I always thank hear Baldwin so say, thank you, Isabel, for the history lesson. <laughs> Who do you have, Angela? I have Chloe. She says, Hi, Chloe. Okay, with an exclamation point. Finally the, finally, the chapter reviews. My thoughts in this chapter might be a bit controversial to everyone else, but I didn't hate Matthew here. He is stressed and terrified that something will happen to Diana because something always goes wrong for Matthew. The miscarriage I know upset a lot of people when he was high after a night out with Kit, but I always saw it as Matthew reliving the other children he's lost and not knowing how to cope. Blood rage doesn't help much either with his possessive tendencies coming to the forefront because they are now fully committed to each other. Oh, the bit that pulled at me the most night seemed an odd choice, but stick with me. The sex against the wall, you could feel their anger and desperation for it to go back to how it was before even they thought they know that they couldn't. Okay, that's my thoughts. Your vampire down under. Love the show, Demon Divas. Chloe. Oh, Chloe. We love Matthew, but you know, it doesn't take us from being mad at him. Yeah, Matthew's a man. <laughs> he may be a vampire, but he's a man. Yeah, and he's a mess. So there, there's that. Yes. Okay. And you'll hear us bitch about it more, Chloe. Bear with us, just like we just bared with you <laughs> when we start bitching about it later. So my Disguster email is from Meg, and she's a new Disguster. Yay! Welcome, Meg. And she says, Dear Stevens. And she spelled Dearest, D-A-E-R-E-S-T. Clever. And she's like, see what I did there? This is my first discussion prompt, and I have been so excited to write you all. Let me start by saying how inexplicably grateful I am for the All Souls fan community, especially you three. My discovery of the All Souls trilogy was super random, but I think serendipity happens that way most of the time. On a travel account I follow on Instagram, someone posted a picture of a person riding on a train in Korea and resting on the seat on the train were a couple of books, one of them being A Discovery of Witches. The title and 
intrigued me and I had been looking for an audiobook for an upcoming six hour drive. So I checked it out from my library and I was hooked instantly. Listen to all three books nonstop. Jennifer Akita is amazing. And even before I had finished listening to the Book of Life, I had bought all of the books and started reading them too, along with listening. It was also from a random ad on Instagram that I learned this series was being made into a TV show. My own quote unquote discovery fell into my lap so perfectly. At Yay. one point, I was listening to the Book of Life on audiobook, reading Shadow of Night, and repeatedly binge watching the first season at the same time. I am that obsessed. Well, you're not the only one. Look at us, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't disagree with whatever what what she said. And welcome to the, I guess, the obsession. Welcome to the craziness. Yeah. Right. So she goes on to say, in the last four months, I have read the trilogy twice, listened to all three audiobooks, watched season one three times, read Times Convert, and read The World of All Souls Guide. So all that to say, I have absolutely loved becoming a part of this fandom family. Yay. Okay, Yay. so regarding Shadow of Night Chapter 23, one of the things I found fascinating about Diana's preparations for casting her four spell was that Goody Alsop had to cut the threads surrounding Diana in order to prepare her to weave her first spell. This seemed to me a symbolic act of Diana having to accept being cut free from her previous life of shunning her magic before she could wield the threads that make up her new identity as a weaver, though she had recently experienced death and the loss of a baby. The act of weaving her force spell is its own experience of rebirth and new life. Thanks again for your amazing podcast and dedication to the All Souls world, Meg. And thank you, Meg. Great. Thank you for that amazing observation, Meg. Yeah, that's awesome. Who are we at next? Jean, you again? Yep, me again. And I have one from longtime fan and discusser, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi. Hi, ladies. So I am emailing about our next Sun chapter. This is a life-affirming chapter for me. I have shared with most that I have had four miscarriages in a 14-month period of time. This chapter became a beacon for me because it talked about it. It made it a real thing that happens and not this hush-hush thing that so many women are forced to suffer through on their own. It is a point of pride for me that Deb and I have had discussions in the discussion group about why she chose to add this to Diana's story. Fast forward to a recent panel. One of the commentators said Deb added it to the story to show how far medical treatment had come and how it does not happen as often. Many in the audience verbally disagreed. I was just enraged. This took this truly meaningful thing and desecrated it for me. Deb chose to add the miscarriage to the story because a friend of hers had had one and Deb never knew. She felt bad that her friend had suffered this loss and no one knew she was hurting. This, of course, was a layer of healing in my recovery of a major mental breakdown after suffering my own losses. You can find it using the search function in the large group or in the group. If there's going to be this difficult conversation, I want it to be right. Feel free to share this with the listeners. Awareness is so important and dear to me. Love to you all, Becca. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. I know. It's tough. It's, it's tough. tough. And I know there's been more than one conversation about that and what Deb's done with this chapter. She's mm-hmm. brought it out of the shadows, I think, for a lot of people. Well, you know, and it's a thing that I don't normally think about until I'm sitting in the doctor's office and, you know, they make you fill out these forms. Right. Mm-hmm. And they ask you how many pregnancies you've had. And then the next question is how many live births right. have you had? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you have to think how many people are there out there that there's a dis- Disparity between the two numbers. Because me, I've had two pregnancies and two live births. Mm-hmm. I was blessed, but not everybody is blessed like that. And it's not something that everybody talks about. So no. it's it's 
tough. And it, it's not till you start talking about it that people come forward out of the darkness and say, raise their hand. Yeah. It happened to me. It happened to me. It happened to me. Um, yeah. And it's something that's not talked about. And I, I would imagine back in the 16th century, because they, it was a village mentality or a communal atmosphere, that it wasn't mm-hmm. so hidden. It wasn't so hush-hush and it wasn't taboo to talk about. No. Yeah. She also brings up the point that, well, you know, it happens less often. I don't think that's necessarily the case, that it's any less prevalent. No. Right. Because so many happen so early. I mean, sometimes people don't even know they're pregnant when they miscarry. This too. is true. So, I mean, yep. anyways. All right. But once again, I obviously don't operate Deb's mind, but I would imagine she does not have this checklist of things she has to include, but she's just a author that chooses to include what she thinks real life is. And that is real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I think I've heard her say that on more than one occasion, too. It's like, it's that's real life. Women miscarry. Women lose children, especially when you're talking in the 16th century, she said it, it was a fact of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miscarriages, stillbirths. And, and I think also it would certainly be a natural topic of conversation in a group of witches when you've got so many who've probably served as midwives and healers. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Who's next? Emily. We have an email from Emily. Hello, Emily. Hey. Hey. Hi, Emily. <laughs> she's, I, I don't know, her writing, I can feel like she's like a little ray of sunshine. So she says, <laughs> oh my gosh, I love this chapter. Okay. I love every chapter of all the books, but still. (laughs) I cried when I found out Diana lost the baby, but was convinced that when she was pregnant, she would have twins as they both disagreed about gender. I was like, well, Diana wouldn't be wrong about her baby. But then I was like, neither would Matthew. So I just thought, oh, they should get twins. And I was right. Yay. Spoiler alert. (laughs) That's okay. Uh, this, This book is so great because even though things happen, you wouldn't expect it wasn't wrong or out of place. It just felt right. Like everything that happened, I just thought, well, Deb is a bloody genius. Don't disagree with you there, Emily. Mm. Nope. When Diana says this, because Matthew has endured a thousand years of heartbreak and I've only endured 33, I said, my tone equally sharp. I was like, ooh, damn. But Elizabeth, (laughs) shove off. Yes, shove off. (laughs) Diana can be absolute savage when she wants to. I love her. Matthew wasn't there to, to start with. And I was like, Matthew should be with Diana at all times, especially after this, as he knows what it must have been like. But then he believes Blanca didn't love him. He did at the time. But looking back, what this must do to someone is just, gosh, Matthew also blames himself for everything. So you can understand why he wasn't there. You, can, you can't expect him to be with her um, at all times. And then she goes on a little bit just to give background on, on Blanca and Matthew and a little bit of what she was surprised at and one of her favorite lines. So you have to look at the email in its entirety, which Val will post in the show notes. But she yep. does close. Love you guys. Thanks for the amazing podcast. Emily. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. It's great hearing from you. All right. I have one from Michelle, our new discusser. Hi, Michelle. And and I happen to know she was reluctant to jump in, but she did anyway. Gentle nudging. Gentle. We're going to be gentle. We promise. Okay. (laughs) So this is from Michelle. She says, hello, lovely demons. I've reread chapter 23 about three times now. Even with so much going on and all the heartbreak and transformation, what I keep coming back to are the requests for magic that Diana finds at the start. Who are these people asking for help? Why are they so desperate that they're hoping a witch of whom they probably are afraid of will help them? It might be unfair, but it's a moment where I get angry with Matthew in a section where it's already very easy to get angry with Matthew. Why does he feel it's okay? 
both to decide for Diana and deny these people help. If half the town knows she's a witch, what does she risk by helping people? I'd love to hear your thoughts on this and whether this is another case of hot mess Matthew or if he is right for once. All the best, Michelle. And Michelle, I don't think he was right. No, (laughs) this is the first time ever in the series that I was truly angry with him. Pissed. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to play devil's... Me and my my absent uterus are going to play devil's advocate here. Um, Okay. C, A, he's a man. B, he was trying to do what he I don't think being a man's an excuse, though. Uh, He was trying to protect her. Okay. I mean, he not not so much from her magic, but he was trying to, in his own screwed up way, give her her space to grieve without other people pulling on her coattails and and making demands of her. That's the operative word for me, in his screwed up way. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I... yeah, well, I don't know if I'm mad at him. It's like wrongheaded. Was he totally wrongheaded and doing it? But I don't think he came from a place of selfishness or, or self-absorbed. I mean, I don't think he did it to be self-absorbed or selfish or controlling so much as it's like, I can't tell her how to do this, but I can at least make a space for her to do what she needs to do. And yeah. he thought that that space had to keep everyone else at arm's length. I mean, at the end of the day, most of us would rather bury ourselves in work yeah, yeah. and get away from our troubles, mm-hmm. but he made the wrong... I, and I don't think it's hot mess, Matthew. It's just, I, I mean, it, it's a very valid option. It just wasn't a valid option for her. Hmm. I didn't take issue with him taking the trinkets, him and Pierre collecting them before she saw them. I took issue with him going out and getting high with Kit and coming oh, yeah, home. That's a totally, that's yeah. a totally yeah. fucking and that, when I, That's why I said when I got pissed. That wasn't the part I got pissed at. Yeah. That, that, was, yeah, that, no. was, that was when I took issue. Yeah, no, no that, was, that was hot mess Matthew. That was Matthew wallowing for sure. Yeah. But now that she brings it up, I'm like, hmm, was that right for him to do that? But I, I can... <laughs> <laughs> I can understand. Yeah. I, I can understand why he did uh, what he felt he was doing. He didn't want her to be burning with this. But, you know, I know how I am when something's bothering me. I'm going to throw myself into something else. And, and yeah. here's the thing. That that was his always his coping mechanism. When things got too much for him, he removed himself. Mm-hmm. That's when he'd go away. He would go There's, away and wallow in it. And, and maybe, he, maybe he and, thought and Diana wanted his, the same. Yeah. And, and <laughs> since she was kind of stuck in place, he made her a space to wallow because that it's the only coping me- mechanism he ever knew. So it's fifteen hundred years old. I'm, what what a, were we talking about, Angela? Do better, man. Yes, do better. <laughs> yes, do he's better. he's had fifteen hundred plus years to endure thinking about losing his children, but he's also had fifteen hundred years to figure it out. <laughs> Come on! Well, it's, but it's not just that, that was just his coping mechanism with everything. Yeah, you know, like yeah. he never learned learned a better way. Well, it wasn't just the loss of his children. It's just like, oh man, something shitty happened or I had to do something shitty. I'm going to go lick my wounds. It goes back to people do what worked for them. Right. Apparently that's worked for him for 1500 it's years. It's worked so. for him. Yeah. And Gene just brought up a good point of saying he's never learned another way because his parents yeah. indulge him and letting him do that. Well, Spoiled I think baby. part of it is too, in a way, he's an introvert. Some of yeah. it has to do with yeah. his, yes. his essentially oh, yes. introverted nature. Yeah. Very true. I think Diana, for all her being a loner, is more of an extrovert. Yeah, I feel like, well, and that's weird about them. I think they're both introverts, but they have have a need to be
be surrounded by family and people that love them, but yet they separated themselves. Each one of them, they both separated themselves from family because, you know, in the book of life, they all came together and they enjoyed being with their family. They Mm -hmm. enjoyed having them surrounded with them and they didn't know that about themselves back then. So, all right. Uh, And we have any other emails? Oh, no, I have an extra one. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Not so Uh-oh. fast. Not got so time fast. for the jumper cables. Hang on. Let me put my glasses on because... Mm. <laughs> like that one time, you're like, mm. I can't read this, but I don't have my glasses on, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have to zoom in. All right, here we go. This one is from Monica. Hello, Monica. Hi, Monica. Hey, Monica. Okay, she says, my thoughts regarding chapter 23 are quite vivid. For me, three of the most significant things that happen in this chapter are the aftermath of Diana's miscarriage, the witchcraft practices of the Garlicite gathering of witches, and the force spell that leads to the first appearance of Diana's familiar. Uh, what amazes me that the chapter has an encounter with the goddess too, along with the inclusion of the first book's epigraph and the closing lines of the chapter when Diana was able to figure out the connection between her familiar Matthew's emblem and the alchemical wedding painting in Sydney's lab. This time while rereading, I also noted the two annoying specters that were squabbling in the Newgate Street <laughs> <laughs> where Goody also resided. The medieval queen Isabella of France and Lady Agnes Hungerford were both buried in Christchurch, Greyfriars, just a two-minute walk away from the street, now lying in ruins as a garden after the damage done during World War II. Another thing common between these women, apart from their common burial place, is that both were involved in the murder of their husbands. This is all I looked up on the web regarding these ladies and thought of sharing them with you. That's all for today. Another history lesson for Monica. Thank you. (laughs) And she says, I'm always eager to listen to your intelligent and funny thoughts regarding the world of all souls. Keep up the good work. Thanks again, Monica. Thank you, Monica. Thank you. Okay, I think that's it. I think we're good now. Yeah, I think (laughs) think we've got the ghosts covered. Oops. One more from Stacy. Okay, sorry. (laughs) So many emails, so little time. Yeah, yeah. Hi, demons. I feel like chapter 23 is the turning point of the series. I never really thought of it before. I just listened and enjoyed the whole story. It's just over the halfway point of Shadow of Night, making it just about the halfway point of Diana's journey. A fitting place for her to start getting so many answers and move forward in her journey. On a side note, this chapter also had me realizing me realizing something about myself. <laughs> My fiancé and I play Magic the Gathering, the card game. In the game, there are five colors. Red, blue, white, black, and green. And each color has its own characteristics of magic spells and abilities. I play a lot of red and blue, fire and water, and black and white, life and death. It hit me today listening to this chapter that those are the corresponding colors to Diana's magic. I started playing after I read the series, so I wonder if the book impacted my choices in the game. Demon Kisses, Stacy. Thank you, Stacy. Very cool. Love it. Yeah. Very, very cool. Okay. So we're going to start our main discussion and start the wagon. Jump in, guys. Hang on. Strap in because it's a bumpy ride, this one. Buckle Uh, up. Buckle up. This chapter discussion is brought to you by Linda Zip. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. All right. So we left off in chapter 22 with Diana dreaming about dragons and suddenly she woke up with sharp cramps and her sheets were covered in blood. Francoise is called, but Matthew shows up with a look of devastation on his face. She has lost the baby. We open up in chapter 23 with Goody Alsop and the Gathering of Witches consoling Diana by sharing their stories of losing children. Yeah, here we go. We're just thrown right into it. What did you guys think 
first read, what were your impressions with what we were dealing with? I know we talked a lot about it this in the discusser emails, but when you first read this and read that she had lost the baby and what were your first impressions of the stories of the women telling their stories about losing? At first, I mean, I was surprised with Diana miscarrying because usually when you read fantasy or things of that nature, like everything works out and it all works out. It all works out and eventually it does. But I was surprised that she miscarried, but then it was very natural for them to say it, it happens. You know, it happened to me. It happened to them. It happened to her. And um, they're all going on about their own experience with it, either knowing someone or having it happen to themselves, which is is very realistic, whether it be 16th century or today. Yeah. Yeah. It's also very realistic to get frustrated with people trying to tell you how you should handle it and how you should grieve. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was like, OK, they've all lost children. Now, maybe if you had a gathering of five or six people, maybe two or three. So, I mean, modern medicine has gotten us a little further, mm-hmm. but still where we're at medically, it's not the best still. Well, the question also becomes, is, has a percentage change? I mean, because with I think with birth control and, and yeah. whatnot, and the fact that people are just doing better family planning and having smaller families. I don't know that the percentage of pregnancies that end in miscarriage is that much lower. Well, yeah. and some things medicine doesn't prevent. I mean, and an, an, a pregnancy that you lose eight weeks or earlier, I mean, that isn't like it's usually a genetic yeah, yeah, genetic abnormality, and that's just your body saying, um, nope. Yeah. This is not going to work. Yeah. yeah. And you know, we also forget what an actual ordeal childbirth is to your body. Mm-hmm. And so losing your child in birth is, it happens. It still happens. Mm-hmm. Sure. So oh, yeah. it, people do it all the time, and it's not an illness. It's not a malady, but it puts your body through a lot, and it's a lot for the child. It's a, it, it's a lot. Childbirth is a lot. It's a parasitic relationship. Too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, not in a science scientific sense of the word, not in a pejorative yeah, sense of the yeah. word. I mean, yeah, more yeah. biblical. Yeah. Yeah. As they were talking, Susanna's like, you are young and strong. There's no reason to think you cannot conceive another tri- said, child. Said like a modern doctor. Yeah. Yep. She's not wrong. <laughs> no, she's not wrong. No. She's thinking to herself, no reason at all, except for the fact my husband wouldn't touch me again until we were back in the land of birth control and fetal monitors. Which is, which is reasonable. <laughs> well, no, no, no. Which is probably more common response than anybody wants to admit. I mean, it's going to be one extreme or the other, especially back then. You've got the husband like, well, we need to start trying again because I need an heir. Yeah, or, right, right, right. You know, yeah. he, he kind of had the mo- the modern Matthew response to it. Yeah. Especially in the light of so many miscarriages in the past. And his thought probably was, it's like, she's going to get pregnant and have another miscarriage and it can kill her. Mm. Yeah. I mean, th- that's one thing you have to think about in the 16th century is that I'm sure the the death in childbirth yeah. Yeah. percentage was so high. What I didn't see was self-doubt. I mean, when people, women, even couples miscarry together, they think, was it my fault? Was it your fault? Is it our fault? Are we even able to have a baby? I mm-hmm. didn't see a lot of that, but I would be wondering if I were Diana Matthew, maybe that was the anomaly that we could conceive. Maybe it's not going to happen again because you're a vampire yeah, we, and I'm a we witch. Can, we can conceive, but not yeah, have it's children. not viable. Whatever we conceive is not viable to the end. So maybe that was going through their heads too. Well, which Shelley has also touched upon. Yeah, from the genetic standpoint, that often as your hybridization goes on, that initial attempts do not flourish as they yeah. should. 
Goody's getting right down to it. She's like, okay, so where's Master Royden? Diana's like, he's out on business. And then, oh God, here we go. I heard he was in Middle <laughs> Temple Hall with Christopher Marlowe last it night. Starts. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Watching a play by all accounts. And this is Catherine. She's handing out candies while she's telling the stories. <laughs> yeah, she's spilling the tea. <laughs> yep. And Goody's like, ordinary men can pine terribly for a lost child. I'm not surprised that a wear would find it especially difficult. They are possessive after all. Yeah, they may be witches, but they're still passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So all the women are like, okay, and this is awkward. No, stay quiet right here. She says, he'll be fine. And Elizabeth is like, he should be here. And that was me. You should be here. Wait, but Matthew, why what is she doing? saying that? Why is she saying he should be here when they would kick him out anyways? Yeah. He should have dropped her off. He should have dropped her off and sat outside and wait till they're done. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, trust me, I get mad at Matthew later. Plenty of anger for him oh, wait, in they, store. They were, meeting at, they were meeting at their house. He should be sitting around. They were at the Heart and Crown. He, they should be sitting, oh, he should be sitting right. around. He should, and, he should be home. Oh, oh That's right, okay. Matthew. Fucker. God. No, let me calm down. All right. (laughs) (laughs) She goes on to say, I see no reason why his loss should be more painful than yours. And then Diana, I read this the first time and I still read it as this. She's making an excuse for him. Mm -hmm. She says, because Matthew has endured a thousand years of heartbreak and I've only endured 33. And her tone was equally sharp. He's aware, Elizabeth. Do I wish you were here instead of with Kit? Of course. Will I beg him to stay at the hardened crown for my sake? Absolutely not. So she's being all stoic, but I feel you, Diana. Yeah. Mm. All right. So she's obviously concerned at this point. She says, my head tells me Matthew must have a chance to grieve in his own way. My heart tells me he loves me, even though he prefers to be with his friends now. I just wish he could touch me without regret. And that hurt me. Ow. Mm -hmm. Right. And if you look at if you look at it conversely, Matthew's endured a thousand years of heartbreak and she's only endured 33. This is her first time ever. Hopefully her last. And and maybe he should be there to comfort her. Um, And she's now she now there's that. That self-doubt creeping in that she feels mm-hmm. it's her fault and he's not there and he blame maybe she thinks he blames her he should be there yeah so she's all everybody's like well he should be here and you know now she's double thinking herself and right. so goody's goody's like okay we'll see you tomorrow as planned and then um diana's like tomorrow i'm in no mood to make magic goody also i love goody's response (laughs) (laughs) and goody says i'm in no mood to go to my grave without seeing you weave your first spell so i shall expect you when the bell rings six Hmm. you tell her that's right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm not gonna take any of this no excuses none of this okay so she comes home and notices there are a whole bunch of offerings everywhere left at our stoop uh what did you guys think of the offerings like what is this shit yes i didn't think that (laughs) like what's going on so she was still trying to figure this stuff out and then here comes matthew in his high ass self Mm. he says diana and he drew the back of his hand across his mouth his eyes green and glassy. Didn't you want to smack him right here? Yes. Oh, just it was so completely selfish. I think so. And then she goes on to say, at least you'll feed when you're with Kit. And it's nice to know your friendship includes more than poetry and chess. So she's jealous. She's mad. She's upset. Mm -hmm. And she deserves to be because what the fuck are you doing, Matthew? Really? You already know Kit doesn't like her, but yet you're hanging out with him. Getting all high. Need to go to rehab. Something. All I can hear is Amy Winehouse. <laughs> I was so mad. My lizard brain took over yes, on this chapter. Too. I I was upset. 
Okay, so Matthew put his boot on his boot on the tread next to my feet. He used his knee to press me towards the wall. And that pissed me off. Trapped. Yeah, how dare you? Hi, motherfucker. <laughs> Shut up. Oh, God. Effectively trapping me. His breath was sweet and slightly metallic. You know, he's trying to put the moves on her while he's all high and she just had a miscarriage. Matthew! Right. She's like, I'm done. Oh, my God. So the only thing she says is you're going to hate yourself in the morning. Well, he hates himself all the time. So how's that? Any so, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more, you know, so he's high yeah. as a kite, but yet he's still trying to get a little frisky. Diana puts a stop to that, but not as strong as I thought she should have. Well, but here's here's the thing. She's worried about him not touching her and he had to get drunk in order to get up the nerve to do it. <sighs> Mm. He's self-medicating mm. to yeah, try and get he, out of his he, own head. He's I trying mean, to fill a void. Yeah, everybody's pissed. I don't, in this moment, I mean, it's the first time it's occurred to me. I don't think he is going out and getting drunk to escape from his problems as much as he's going out and getting drunk to try and somehow engage. deal with them and engage without the, all the voices in his head. Mm, that's a good point. Not making an excuse for him. I'm just saying, given his mental makeup. Yeah. I, I guess I don't have a problem with him doing it eventually and dealing it in his with in his own way. This is a second. It's early on. It's a second night in a row. It's mm-hmm. fresh for Diana. Can you just go through the motions and be there with her for like the the first week, maybe? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Could you I'm not? just, I'm just saying this instance on the stairs. I'm not saying yeah. the going out and get, but I'm just saying you know he's, he's yeah. all like yeah trying to get frisky. It's like well maybe that's the first time he was able to, you know he had to get drunk off his ass to get out of his own head. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Mm. The rest of it, I totally agree with you. I'm just saying, looking at that. Diana handled it yeah. way better than me. You would have <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, you sit in the corner. I'm calling the rehab people. They're going to take you away in a wagon or something. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, that. I mean, it doesn't happen, but in, in the, at least in the series, but in real life, that breeds in resentment. You might stuff it down. You might let it slide, but it doesn't get forgotten for later on. <laughs> no, you got to let it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She goes on to ask, hey, you drinking blood, all the blood you're drinking, they all have opiates in them? And he's like, well, it's the easiest to come by because he's all drunk. <laughs> right. God. They discuss these offerings and then Matthew says they're for you. More arrive every night. Pierre and I collect them before you awake. And she gets a little upset here because, you know, people are asking for her help and this is a good thing she can do for the community. Well, and if not she... only that, it's for her own self-protection too. Yeah. Right. Since Monday, there have been gifts for you too. Matthew held out his hand. I'll take care of them. And I guess you're right, Jean. He, he was trying to uh, protect her from thinking about all this, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the fact that the one that she found had a baby sock was like, uh, if the, yeah. If a lot of those kind of offerings were things like that. I could see why, why his knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, she doesn't need to see this right now. This is why communication is important in a marriage. But I can see when the discusser wrote in and said, I don't want you performing spells for every creature in the city of London. Like, it's his decision, period, end end of story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not your decision to make. Just like it's not my decision to make to tell you to don't go out and get drunk. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to, to, but... (laughs) She goes, well, I don't want you to go out every night and go and drinking with your friends, but you're a vampire, so sometimes that's what you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a witch, Matthew. Request 
things like this have to be handled carefully. My safety depends on my relations with our neighbors. I cannot go stealing boats like Galaglass or growling at people. And she has a point, Matthew. Mm-hmm. Fucking sit down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Pierre saves his ass as usual. Yeah, Lord. with a tea, and he had to drop a drop a bomb. I know, yeah. but Matthew's like, what? Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Be nice to Pierre. Right. He's, he's helping you. Anyway, Pierre brings the news that Agnes Sampson is dead. They took her to Castle Hill in Edinburgh on Saturday, garroted her, and then burned the body. And, you know, Matthew's like, Christ, because that's what he does, right? Christ, yeah. Marcus, yes. right? Uh, see, yep. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> okay. And we get, we get a glimpse into what Hancock's been up to. <laughs> right. Pierre tells Matthew that, according to Hancock, she barely suffered. So, And then Matthew is turning inward like he usually does. And he goes, why can't I fix this? Oh, my God. Hey, now, but, but be this- nice. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a reflex kind of thing. You, yeah, okay. You can't help but get in that mode. Mode. I hadn't thought of that. And I didn't remember it from the first read. But listening this second time, I was so focused on my being mad at Matthew for going out and carousing and not attending to Diana's sorrow that I didn't really realize that he was not only trying to run from the miscarriage, but also from his second round in the 16th century and and how he felt helpless. Feels helpless because he's now married to a witch. Now, all of a sudden, he's involved in this stuff. (laughs) Retroactive empathy. (laughs) Now now he gives a shit. Now he gives a shit. Before he's like, "Eh, it's a witch. Fuck it. (laughs) There wasn't the the Fitzio. Right. Mm -mm. So, um, Pierre says he's going to go back into the city. And after Pierre takes off, Diane and Matthew are alone again. And Matthew says, I cannot bear losing another child, Diana. I just can't. And she says, I know. Again, being really nice because I wouldn't have been. But she says, I was bone weary and wanted the blessed oblivion of sleep as much as he did. I have never known my child as he had known Lucas and the pain was still unbearable. And then she says, I have to be at Goody Allsup's house at six tonight. Will you be out with Kit? And uh, Matthew, you know the right answer right here. <laughs> I was saying that. Say the right answer. Say the right answer. Say the right answer. <laughs> say it. Say it. Yeah. <laughs> and Matthew says, no, I'll be with you. So, okay. All right. We're, we're writing this ship. <laughs> That's yes. right. Well, thankfully, I didn't get as angry as I did the first time. So. <laughs> no books going this time. No, no, no. Okay, so they get to goodies and they shoot Matthew away because he's just going to get in the way of all the energy required for Diana to cast a force spell. And she notes the preparation here. She says, my Aunt Sarah would have paid close attention to how Susanna and Marjorie uh, ready the sacred circle. Some of the substances and equipment they used were familiar to her, like the salt and but others were not. Sarah's witch kit consisted of two knives, the black handle and the white, the grimoire, and the various herbs and plants. Elizabethan witches required a greater variety of objects to work their magic, including brooms. I have never seen a witch with a broom, except on Halloween when they were de rigueur, along with pointed hats. Can we pause for a second? Because I thought of you exactly with the knives again. And can you give us a refresher on the white and black handled knives? Okay, so one is the Athame. Uh, Athame is the center of the, it centers you. Some people use it, like some people actually use wands for a centering. One's dull and one is sharp. The white one is usually sharp. It's used to cut 
objects. It's used to lay intention. The black one is to remove energy, negative energy. Like, you no, know, Jean, how I tell you to uh, burn a black candle sometimes? Yes, ma'am. Same thing. Mm. Same ah. kind of intention. Like it's absorbing. Di- yes, it's a different tool. So that's what it is. Okay. Thank you. Mm, you're welcome. Mm. Um, you know. <laughs> the more you know. Okay, I shouldn't have sang that. That was bad. <laughs> okay, so Diana describes the unique brooms the witches brought to the gathering. Marjorie's was from a cherry branch with herbs as the bristles. Susanna's was elm, symbolic of the phases of life. And um, two of them swept the salt to cleanse the ground and the space so the magic wouldn't leak out into the world. You know, all that leaky magic. <laughs> and uh, Goody sealing the windows. And I really love the description of the ritual they used to prepare this monumental moment in Dinah's life. I also loved how they had the brooms decorated in herbs, mm-hmm. very specific herbs, not just not just what the brooms themselves were made of. It was right. very... Dual purpose, you know. Vivid. I can't wait to see this. Okay, so we'll put that on our wish list. Yes. We want okay. to see <laughs> this. <laughs> yes, we no, want to it, see the brooms. It's true. I mean, if if the water witch, she, you know, she had the aqua color eyes and you, the brooms are just an extension and it makes sense that yeah. they relate to them. Reflect their uh, reflect their owners. Yes. Yeah. I love this passage about the ghosts and the rafters and they were gossiping. <laughs> And they were talking about Queen Isabella, as we mentioned, and Agnes Hungerford. They were resuming squabbling, whatever. So Elizabeth and Catherine were trying to loosen up Diana prior to the big event by telling her stories of their early adventures with magic. How exciting, you know, kind of how we warm up our guests, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and like kind of not stroking her ego, but kind of, you know, they were impressed with me, how I channeled water from Sarah's orchard. And they were like, yeah. you know, revving her up to feel confident. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Look at you, girl. You have this halfway conquered. Yeah. Okay. So now we're at the main event. The moon has risen. All right. So each witch went from one corner of the room to the next, breaking off a twig from their broom and placing them. So they all take their brooms, breaking off twigs to arrange a pentacle on the floor. This was new. This was all fascinating to me because I had not seen these rituals before, but I'm sure Deb researched them at one point. So that's really cool. So now lights, camera, action, they begin. Uh, She says, Goody Alsop and I took our positions in the center of the circle. Though its boundaries were invisible, that would change when the other witches took their appointed places. Once they had, Catherine murmured a spell, a curved line of fire traveled from witch to witch, binding the circle. This seems scary to me. I mean, if I were Diana, I'd be freaked the fuck out, I think, a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so Goody says, look look around with your witch's sight and tell me what you see. And Diana sees threads. It's as though the world is nothing more than than a tapestry. So Goody also says to be a weaver is to be tied to the world around you and see it in strands and hues. Oh, my God. That had to be extra, extra stressful for Diana, considering what a loner she was. Yeah. Now you're tied to the world. Wow. Now you're bound, you know, and you see it. But how many of I think we're all bound somehow. Mm -hmm. We just don't see it. She just has the added stress of seeing it like no pressure, you know? Yeah, none at all. And she didn't know she was bound. No, she was. She didn't. Yeah. No. Which makes the ostrich routine even more well startling. <laughs> so when I'm reading this, I'm picturing this whole thing in my head. I don't know fibers just floating around and being there all along. But since Diana's third eye is open, she's got the, you know, the 3D glasses to see all of this. Mm-hmm. So while we humans or demons or whoever, we don't even get around, to see the shimmer. Yeah. We're clueless. Like, eh, <laughs> it's whatever. Okay. Goody's cutting all the threads and uh, sort of speaking tongues from what I'm reading here. So Mm -hmm. all the little filaments are being detached to Diana and the roaring noise 
is entering her ears and she's finding herself reacting like she did when she drew water in the yard mm-hmm. at the bishop house. I'm, I'm kind of apprehensive because it, it almost seems like the magic is snaky with, mm. with the way the filaments move and she wants to grab them and she can't. And, and there's, then, snakes are symbolic of knowledge too, so there's that. So the thread's all returning to her and I like the description, maybe because we discussed the missing rib- ribbons on TV. This yes. time reading it, I, I like the, the flow of the threads and she says, I let them slide over my skin like the satin ribbons and the story my mother used to tell me. So we didn't get that. We got spider webs. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so the roaring intensified and the air stirred. A swirling ball of energy hung directly over my head and hmm, where have we seen this before? Mm-hmm. Yep. It drew power from the room but kept collapsing into its own center like a black hole. My witch's eye closed tightly around the dizzying, roiling sight. And something pulsed in the midst of the storm. It pulled free and took a shadowy form. Oh my God, here we go. So Goody Allsup's looking at this and she's like, okay. <laughs> she gives her one last final look before she leaves Diana alone in that circle. So there was a beating of wings and a barbed tail and a hot moist breath came to lick her cheek. Oh, Oof. I can't wait for that. I know. So now this transparent creature that cropped up. What were your first thoughts on first read? I'm wondering, what did you guys think this was? Like, I'm like, oh, so we have dragons in this story. Really? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, like, oh, it's like how to train your dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Or or what was the one with Sean Connery was the voice of the dragon, Dragon Quest? Or Mm. I don't know. That was from, I mean, that was the dragon story I remember from growing up. I'll have to look it up and put in the show notes, everybody. I shall. I'm always suspicious, so I thought it was some specter-like thing, you know, like when at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, when the <laughs> the evil ghosts come out and like melt everyone. Oh yeah, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> this is bad. And audience, you're just going to have to forgive the little pounding noises if you hear them. And just getting her roof worked on. We'll just work. We'll just do that. Okay. Adulting does not uh, uh, stop for podcasting. I know. This is true. So bear with us. You know, it's when she's, they've got some adulting things We're happening. We're doing the best the we roof. can. We're doing the best we can. We're going to just power through. <laughs> <laughs> so the ghosts even went running from this thing. <laughs> they were like, oh no, I got to go. <laughs> this shit I'm out. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the 16th century equivalent was. <laughs> I think it'd still be fuck this shit. Fucketh this shit. <laughs> Okay, so back to the story. Um, The question came out, how many legs does this thing have? Is it just a dragon? And Diana's like, whoa, what? Just a dragon? Just a dragon. (laughs) (laughs) What? 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 what, what? (laughs) So Catherine schools everybody. She's like, it's a fire drake. And she raises her arms, ready to cast a warding spell. If it decided to strike and Elizabeth, she's like, I'll help. She's getting ready. And then Goody also like, wait, wait. Diana has, and she might be able to find a way to tame this thing. And Diana's like, what? I can't tame this thing. What are you talking about? So she looked at Goody Allsup incredulously. I wasn't even sure if the creature before me was substance or spirit. She seemed real, but I could see right through her. So how weird, because we hadn't been introduced to creatures like this before. Yeah. In this series. So it's like, oh, 
oh, we're going this way now. Okay. <laughs> that was my reaction anyway. So Goody talks her through this thing. Some spells begin with an idea, others with a question. Let the power move through you, basically. Do what you do. Tie a knot, forge a chain. I don't care. Just do something. The fire drake's like looking at her like, uh, so what What are you doing? Well, <laughs> <laughs> blink, blink. And, yeah, I know. <laughs> it did say blink, blink. <laughs> yeah, it did. So then the floor started creaking underneath and then a tree came through. And as you guys know, uh, this tree always made me think of the tree in the Madison by something good. He says later, you know, the tree that grew through the fireplace later on in this book, basically by something good. He says later. So we'll get to that when we get to that. Okay. Okay, so then the tree bursts into flames. She grew this tree and then it bursts into mm-hmm. flames. It's like, whoa, where are we going with this? This I, I was like, holy shit, what's going to happen here? So this was kind of exciting. I thought it was. Oh, I think so, too. So with all of the fire, Diana, being in the control freak that she is, she tries to conjure water and sees an arrow in her hand and she starts freaking out because she's like, okay, so the last time I held this arrow, I burned Juliet to smithereens. So this can't be good. And Goody tells her not to shape the spell mm-hmm. you know go with the flow mm-hmm. so once that happens she draws the arrow she lights the tree even more on fire and it blazes like blindingly and then she wakes up and she's on a mountain with the goddess like what happened here so she's a little pissed with the goddess well yeah yeah she goes you mm-hmm. she wonders if the goddess took the baby and the goddess says no that debt is settled i have already taken another a dead child is of no use to me. She's like, okay, so whose life have you taken? And the goddess is like, yours. So what did you guys think about this when you got to this point? Yours. What does that even mean? I know. I didn't think it was good. I didn't think it was positive. No, me neither. So mine, am I dead? <laughs> and the goddess is like, no, dead people are no good to me. <laughs> You gave your life to me, Diana Bishop, and now it's time for you to make use of it. So that was it for that. And the next time she's opening her eyes and she's looking at Goody all some ceilings, I guess she came too. And Diana's laying there like blink, blink, you know. <laughs> There's <laughs> a lot of blink, blink going on. Yeah. And the fire drink's like blinking back at her like blink, blink. What? <laughs> And then the fire drake dumps the branch from the tree into Diana's arms. And um, she didn't know what to say, but thank you. Here you go. Thank you. She didn't want to piss the dragon off or the fire drake. The fire drake replied with a quiet moan of fire and song. Her silver and black eyes were ancient and wise as she studied me, her tail flicking back and forth pensively. She stretched her wings to their full extent before tightening them around her body and dematerializing. All that was left of the fire drake was a tingling sensation in my ribs that told me somehow she was inside of me, waiting until I needed her. With the weight of this beast heavily inside of me, I fell to my knees. The branch clattered to the floor. The witches rushed forward. And then Goody Alsop's like, you did well. Very good. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. So, mm-hmm. And the other witch is like, oh, it's a great day, Goody Alsop. They were all happy about that. Mm-hmm. I, and a hard one for such a young witch, Godiosop said, you do nothing by halves, Diana Royden. First, you are no ordinary witch, but a weaver. And then you weave a force spell that calls forth a rowan tree, simply to tame a fire drake. Had I foreseen this, I would have not have believed it. And then she's like, I saw the goddess. <laughs> <laughs> and a dragon. And then Elizabeth's like, oh, that was no dragon. 
lady. And so this is the thing. This passage brought me to my theory that the tree in the bishop house being connected in the tree to the tree here, because of what it says, it is not every day a round tree pushes its branches into one world while leaving its roots in another. So I was just thinking it was like two sides of one tree. You know, that whole, it's like a graphic where they have the Mm -hmm. foliage and the roots. They kind of look the Mm -hmm. same, but it's one tree. So that's what I was thinking of when I thought of this at first, but I don't know. I don't know what Deb was thinking. I'm not in her head. No, so. I see what you're saying. Like like if you picture a sphere or a globe and mm-hmm. there's a tree on one side and you flip it over and it's the same on the other side. Yeah. So I was just thinking maybe it was rooted in the bishop house. Maybe not. I, I don't know. It's all very mysterious right here. So, hmm. Well, it, it's similar to her chain, which Goody will mention in just a little bit. Yeah. That, that Diana forged. Goody senses Matthew's unease on the other side of town, headed their way. If I'm not very much mistaken, Master Royden will be around shortly to collect his wife. Let's get you on your feet or he'll think we cannot be trusted with you. And then she's like, well, Matthew can be protective, <laughs> you know, even more since the baby. And Goody's no nonsense. I love her. She's like, I've never known a wearer that wasn't. It's in their nature. They helped her up. And Master Royden need not fear in this case. We will make sure you can find your way back from the darkness, just like your fire, Drake. And she's like, what? Darkness? What? And the witches all got quiet. It was like, oh, maybe we should have said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Too soon. <laughs> so Goody Allsup's trying to explain. She's like, okay, here we go. We're going to have to have this talk. There are witches, a very few witches, who can move between this world and the next. Dinah's like, yeah, time spinners. That's me. I can do that. And... <laughs> She's like, whoa, back up the bus. Whoa, whoa. Not between this time and the next, Diana, but between this world and the next. And Marjorie gestured at the branch by her feet. Life and death. You can be in both worlds. That's why the round tree chose you, not the older or the birch. But now that you bring that up about the the tree at the bishop house, I mean, this kind of echoes when she saved Matthew, a child between two worlds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's not time. Maybe the roots were in the other world where the goddess was. Mm -hmm. That's where it did Mm -hmm. take root. I mean, maybe that's where she made the deal anyways. And then don't forget the other tree that took root in the fireplace. That was a blend of her warm blood and his cold blood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although we don't like to refer to vampires as dead, the living and the dead. No. (laughs) No, only in jest she does. Like when when she's joking, my undead husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just saying. Yeah. So she's thinking the quinces and the flowers. And then she thought Mary Sidney's shoes and the oak tree in Madison. And then Goody's like, and the where? So many signs pointed to the truth. And Goody sometimes pisses me off because she just talks and goes. (laughs) But that's what I did think she was saying about vampires when she says and the where because she's talking about life and death and she's giving examples of things that she gave life and that she also took it or made die like the quinces ah there you go and then she says and the where and i thought that's exactly what she was saying okay so she's saying okay don't tell matthew he he can't know not now the baby he's already freaked out he doesn't want me meddling with matters life and death and um goody's like yeah a little bit fucking late for that sorry (laughs) yep (laughs) And so here comes Matthew. He's already pounding on the door. And Marjorie's like, you know, he's going to bust the door in two. Um, He won't be able to break the the binding spell. But your door will make a fearsome crash when it gives way. Think of your neighbors, Goody Allsup. And that seems to, you know, okay. So Goody undoes the spells and uh, Matthew's standing there. He opens the door, standing there, and he's like, okay, what's happened here? And Goody's like, yeah, if Diana wants to tell you, she'll tell you what 
whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Wait and, to throw um, her under the bus. <laughs> she'll say something. Man. And then <laughs> Diana's like, yeah, thanks, Goody. <laughs> and then Catherine uh, went to go pick up the branch from the round tree. Says, take this. You should have a piece with you at all times for talisman. She gave her the piece of wood. Matthew takes her outside and Pierre Galloglass and Hancock are all there to escort them home. And then Matthew tells her, I don't need to know what happened. I just need to know you're truly all right. And then he goes, you're afraid of something. I can smell it. And I don't know why this bothers him so much when she's scared of something. Adrenaline? I smell fear. Maybe the adrenaline? I don't know. Doesn't seem to bother him before, but I don't know. She gets scared and he worries. I don't know. Maybe it's a protective thing. She says, I'm afraid of what I might find out about myself. And Matthew's like, you'll find your truth. He sounded so sure and unconcerned, but, you know, he didn't know about the dragon and the Rowan and the goddess and all of that. (laughs) So she asks, what if I become someone else and you don't like her? And he says it's not possible. And then they go on to talk about life and death, big responsibilities, but I will love you regardless. You forget I have power over life and death, too. Occasionally I eat partridge. Occasionally you feed on deers, you know, making the comparisons. And then she said, he says, we are more similar, you and I, than either of us imagine. But if you can believe good of me, knowing what you do of my past deeds, then you must allow me to believe the same of you. I almost feel like that's a foreboding message or, or foreshadowing. We're more alike than different. Different. Yeah, it's true. As we find out when we read all of this together, they are very similar people. Mm-hmm. So the next day they went to Goody's house and they're swapping stories. Tell us about your family. We need to find out about your bloodline. And then Diana's like, what? I thought you were going to teach me stuff. And <laughs> Goody's like, slow your roll. We've got to figure some stuff out here. So they came up with a plan after Diana had told her misdeeds of magic in high school and college and strange occurrences that happened after she met Matthew and if there was a pattern to it. So Goody said, we got it. We got this. We'll have a plan soon. So then she's off to Mary's, right? Mary. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And it looks like something has gone wonky with her batch of prime materia look at me talking intelligently about something i have no solid concept of so (laughs) here we go you're a vet we did an alchemy episode (laughs) that's right i know everything about everything about nothing (laughs) (laughs) okay so she notices the depiction of the ripley scroll on mary's wall while she's zoning out and then she knows the details the dragon had two legs it had its tail in its mouth had a crescent moon in the jaws and a star rose above of it. And then she has a bright idea after she realized, hey, that's Matthew's sign. And the, it's like an Ouroboros. And oh, my God. And all of a sudden she has a bright idea. Blood. I'm going to put <laughs> my blood in the sludge. This, this is a mini turning point because the previous paragraph when she talks about Knox's visit to the house, feel like she's being watched, the death of her parents, and then she, the realization of Matthew's emblem. I'm like, this is OK. Is this going somewhere now? Yeah. So she asked Mary, hey, Can you do something for me? You know, even it's a little strange. And Mary's like, of course, what do you need? She noticed the fire drake was uh, dropping squiggly blobs in the little container there on the Ripley scroll. I can't talk today. She says, I want you to take my blood and put it in the solution of aquafortis, silver and mercury. What is blood but fire and water in a conjunction of opposites in a chemical wedding? And then Mary's like, very well, Diana. No big deal. (laughs) 
I would have been freaking if I were Mary because especially when she magics her arm open and Joan just comes up and collects her blood. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like Times Convert. <laughs> Phoebe's what? first feeding. Yes, no big deal. <laughs> then she whispers. It begins with absence and desires. It be- begins with blood and fear. It begins with a discovery of witches. And then time responded in a primeval echo that set alight the blue and amber threads that flickered against the room stone walls. And this is the end. It's happening. Yay. Oh my God. Um, oh my I, God. Can we back up though? I, so Cora dripped blood into the alchemical vessel. I guess I didn't catch it the first time around. No, Cora didn't, did she? Does no. the fire drake dripped squiggly blobs of blood into the alchemical She's talking about the Ripley scroll. Oh, got it. Okay. And then I wonder why I missed him. Like I thought it was just mm-hmm. uh, Diana. No, no. She magicked her arm open and Joan's like, okay, no God. big deal. <laughs> oh, I see. That's where she was getting the idea from. That's where she was getting the idea. She's like, I want to put my blood in that sludge you make over there and something's going to happen. I just know it. <laughs> and Mary's like, okay, cool. <laughs> Joan? <laughs> Joan, come over here. Collect the blood from her elbow. And I don't know how she got that open. And she's bleeding all of a sudden. No, no big deal. Any other thoughts for this chapter before we go on? It's a very colorful chapter. Yeah. We were waiting. I I didn't think it was that heavy of a chapter. Now that we've gone through it, it it's it's a heavy one. It's something. It's something. <laughs> it's like uh, it's involved. It's it, it is and, and momentous. Yes, it's setting the stage for sure. I I really think. Which one of our discussers said it's truly the turning point? Was that Meg or was it Stacy? I, I don't remember the journey we just took. <laughs> one of our lovely discussers made the point that this is like the halfway point in yes. Diana's journey and halfway through the whole trilogy and this is true she's so right things are happening but you're right Angela we did say well this chapter wasn't that heavy but now that we've gone through it yes it was a lot yep (laughs) okay so anything else anything else going once going twice sold sold alright let's go on to housekeeping housekeeping Who's got our first housekeeping? I shall. Okay. Our housekeeping is a voicemail from Camille. Yay. Hey, Camille. I missed you. Yay. Welcome back, Camille. Witchy listener, Camille. So here we go. Hello, demons. This is your witchy listener, Camille. I actually just called in a moment ago about something altogether altogether unrelated, but I thought this was worth bringing up to your attention as well. As we all know, Diana has the sun sign of Leo. After some research, as she discovered that her moon sign is Aries. Now, Aries is the first sign in the zodiac um, calendar, and Diana exhibits the indentations and inner passion that an Aries moon would have, um, which, which I find fascinating. Um, and lastly, Aquarius actually sits on her fourth house, the house of how you put down your roots and how you settle down. And this tells us she doesn't like traditional housing situations, as of, as evidenced by her mating with a vampire. Um, anyway, I thought I'd share that with you. And I hope you guys are having a great day. And bye. 
Bye, Camille. Thank you. Bye, Thank Camille. You. Thank you. I love anything astrology related. I know. I know it's a little about it. Yeah, I'm terrible with astrology. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. I just know. The basics. Uh, I know the basics. And Devin has told me that I am a triple Virgo, um, which makes me extra, as always. <laughs> no, I'm a triple Scorpio, so I'm extra, too. Yeah, extra, too. I'm sure somewhere in there, Angela's a triple Libra because that's just how we roll. We all are pretty true to our science. I have to say. Yeah. Yes. Very Very true. Angela, what do you have? I have a five-star review. Oh, my God! Yay! (laughs) I live to read another day. Yay. All right. This is from Bethy49. And she says, I love the way the demons discuss the books and television show. Their comments are hilarious, and they discuss what they don't like with kindness and more laughter. Well done, demons. (laughs) I mean, what can you do? What are we going to do? We're going to sit here and cry? No. Life's too no. short to be angry. Nah, you got to laugh it out, man. Laugh it out. Thank you, Bethy49 yes. from the USA. Thank you. Keep them coming, guys. We love them. Seriously. We seriously have to keep Angela alive for this, okay? Because we, we have at least two, three more years of this. So come on. <laughs> <laughs> we need your help. <laughs> it's like Tinkerbell. Come on, guys. Clap. Help her. Anyway. Um, mine is from Karen and Karen, I meant to read yours last episode, but we didn't get to it because we had so much to talk about. So this is why you wound up in housekeeping. And and thank you for being a discusser, Karen. This is a new discusser. She says, hey, guys, I'm a TV watcher that has not yet read the books. Without prior knowledge, it was still obvious what Diana was looking for when Matthew returned to Oxford. She was saying, tell me, meaning tell me how you feel. It continued from right Right before he left, when she told him that she loved him and asked him how he felt and asked him to tell her. As far as the bundling scene, with no prior knowledge, I saw it as sex. I'm not sure they had sex, question mark. (laughs) (laughs) This is a big question for everyone, I swear. Uh, A scene where they were taking joy in each other and having fun instead of the usual sex scenes, which such seriousness and no joy about it. I still assume they either talked or had sex after the scene ended. <laughs> this is every conversation we've had with ourselves when we read the books. <laughs> so it really had the same feel of what you described. I'm definitely filmed for the female gaze, a la how Outlander films. But that's a good thing. We don't need more sex scenes objectifying women. I really enjoyed the scene. If you have any other questions for someone who has watched the show without reading the books, feel free to ask me. Karen is offering herself to be the TV watcher ambassador for all of us. So thank you, Karen. I appreciate that. (laughs) I've seen all of the episodes of season one. An example of something that read differently to non-book readers. I don't know if it was your podcast or another one I listened to that had a problem with the way Diana tells Matthew, you're a vampire in the pilot. To a non-book reader, it told me that this show wasn't Twilight-like. She recognizes vampires. There isn't going to be the dragged out suspense as to whether or not Diana knows Matthew is a vampire. Whether the line came off badly to book readers, it came to a relief, at least to this TV show watcher. Okay. <laughs> Good. I don't think it was us because I think I remember us saying, or maybe I'm remembering incorrectly, I don't know, but my reaction still would be now. It's for the benefit of the TV viewer. Which, yeah. which is fine. I think I said something like, and in case you didn't know, she's saying it again. Right. Yes. 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 I don't think it was bad way. I just understood it was for the TV viewer. Anyway, 
Okay. Karen signs off. She says, thanks, Karen. And we thank you, Karen. Thank you thanks, for giving Karen. that perspective when we definitely asked for it. So definitely thank you. And that's it for our housekeeping. So that means we are left for Save It for the Show. And I forgot to mention that housekeeping was brought to you by Shannon Rodriguez. Thank, thank you, Shannon. Shannon. Thank you. Okay. So now Save It for the Show is brought to us by Eric Ravensclaw. Thank you, thank Eric. You, thank you, Eric. Save it for the show. Save it for the show. Guys, save it for the show. This episode, save it for the show. The topic is, why must Diana and Matthew's lives be concurrent? Go. Ugh. Mm, this this <laughs> whole thing just frustrates me. Go, Jean, go. It seems like this is a binary issue for so many people in the fandom. Either they have to die together or Diana needs to be immortal. There's no middle ground here. No. Mm-mm. And to me, the thought that Matthew ending his life because Diana's is over just to me is distasteful, personally. It's a terrible way to imagine this. It, there's nothing romantic about it, honestly and truly. It's like, oh. It, I get the thinking. Not to, not to mention the fact that he tried to commit suicide once and fucked it up. I know. He's not good at it. He's not good at it. <laughs> um Though I, I'm not, I don't mean to make light of it. In a way, it reduces the, the sacrifices that so many of the other characters are living with day to day through the centuries. I mean, we've got Miriam who lost her mate over a thousand years ago and only had 50 years with him. Mm-hmm. And Fernando, who only had 600 with Hugh and yeah. has been apart from him longer than they had been together. And Isabeau separated from Philippe after centuries and centuries and centuries and and soon and now we found out too that uh godfrey's mate johanna survived so she's out there somewhere and she's out there living living with her grief as well right i understand the thinking why is matthew why are matthew and diane any different i don't right. i submit that they aren't i think it's pure idealism it, that's that's the thinking that's it's yeah. like everybody like uh with a happily ever after mm-hmm. everybody wants the... everyone wants everything tied up in a neat bow there you go. That's what it is. And if we learn anything from this story, nothing is neat about it. No, no. I, I don't. I don't slight them for that, though, because like I said, with the miscarriage, I didn't expect it to happen because things are perfect in books. Yeah. <laughs> but Not it always book. works out. But like you said, Deb doesn't write that way. No, no, she doesn't. No. Coming from a, a romance perspective, too, it's like, I don't want to get stuck. And we're, I think so, there's also that mentality out there that we're stuck in the endless epilogue. You know, people are yeah. like, okay, the trilogy, this, we're moving on from Matthew and Diana's story to something else. And it seems all anybody wants to do is, okay, let's have an epilogue of an epilogue of an epilogue and keep revisiting them. And you know what I mean? Day to day to the end. And it's, it's a romance genre trap too because I see that all the time mm-hmm. with romance authors as their fans are like oh well I want to go back and see what happens here like okay you gave us a wedding but you didn't give us a baby and you gave us this but not that it's like can't you just imagine in your head that they're off living their lives and everything's going great and allow this poor author to move on to something else that's capturing their imagination yeah yeah the story's over let's let's move yeah. along um, I don't know uh, Matthew committing suicide at this point is his life if they didn't have children I think my lizard brain would be like yeah you should do it <laughs> <laughs> no, I, was gonna, I hate to say that no, I was going to say something similar that I don't, I don't ever consider or think about their parallel lifespans ever but now that they have the kids I think who's going to go move on for the kids who's going to be around they're yeah. question marks we don't know what they're going to develop into the children so I and they're going to need mm-hmm. somebody I'm mean, invested yeah. in a caretaker for them or a guardian right uh-huh. Mark can't do everything no. come on no <laughs> 
Lee Marcus, Marcus has his hands old. full. I know. He sure does. Come on. Uh, now, see, him taking his life with the children, spoiler alert, they do have children, um, that would be the most selfish act I can ever think of. It's, mm-hmm. it's abhorrent to me, and it's so against his character in so many ways. If they didn't have children, I'd be like, yeah, that's a good idea. You should go. <laughs> I don't know why you think that way. Because you don't I, want him moping around. No! That's it. That's it. I don't want him moping around. But um, no, Deb has come out and said Diana's a warm blood. She's going to live a warm blood lifespan, period. Mm-hmm. And we know Matthew's tendencies. Hey, my life will be over. But now that he has kids, it better not fucking be no. over. Well, Those he, children he, need he, you. He was also being the drama lot. And when he said, when your life is over, so is mine, is like, that was before kids again. Right. Yes. And, and that was one of her writing songs, Follow You Into the Dark, Discovery of Witches. So uh, I'm sure it's changed now that there's kids involved, but that was an early on mm-hmm. writing song. Right. Yeah. I mean, because, hey, she's doing what she can. He wants to grow old with her. So she's doing the little magic. He's getting the gray hairs. And by the time Diana's looking old, maybe Matthew will look old with her. And then when she dies, he'll go back to his vampire self and because her magic would have been taken with her. And see, I've already worked this out. And then he's got <laughs> these children to take care of. Uh-huh. So they're going to be doing stupid stuff like Marcus did. And we don't know exactly what they do. We don't we know Philip. He can do a lot of magic. He's going to need help with that. And he's going to know all the witches and and uh, Rebecca. She's going to need help, too, because she bites people now. I mean, no, I she, bites, how she bites Uncle Baldwin. <laughs> well, she bit Matthew, too. <laughs> she bit well, Matthew he's not people. First. He's dad. He's dad. <laughs> so, you know, he's going to have to do what he needs to do to guide her along. So, there. yeah, I don't know. That's my thought behind that. But yes, I do understand the need to wrap it up with a pretty little bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I don't begrudge people that. I, I think it's that lizard brain again thing. It's supposed to be this way. Right. Well, it's why you it's why you read sometimes is to escape and have a happily ever after when you don't have that in real life i'm not saying in real life people's lives are miserable but you want an escape where it's opposite yeah where it's calm you don't want to beat the vampire for you know getting high (laughs) and shit (laughs) but hey this is the story we got and this is why we're still here seven years later yep taking all this part and And that's why it resonates with people because it's very realistic yeah it's true so anything else to add to the save it for the show or did we pound it into the ground not that i can think of no i think we did (laughs) okay so stick around after this break we'll do last thoughts and things we cannot let go of Find this show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Contact us. We are at demonsdiscuss at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 360-519-7836. Or leave us one on SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slant demonsdiscuss. Hit us up on social media, and we are at demonsdiscuss or at demonsdomain. Join our Facebook group demonic discussers the keys to get in are in the show notes and if you're listening on your mobile device click the description it'll be there too. become a discusser and there are two ways to do that now and if you're in the u.s text a-d-o-w as an adal as in a discovery of witches so text a-d-o-w to 444-999 or visit demonsdiscuss.com scroll down fill out the form and spammer code and that's it you're a discusser visit our main site demonsdomain.com to see what we're up to and if you like what you hear leave us a five-star review on apple Podcasts. keep angela alive all right 
Any last thoughts, guys? I'll let you think about it whenever. <laughs> I've got one. Okay. Jean, what do you have? My last thought is I'm so happy we're back with books. <sighs> Yay! Yes. Don't get me wrong. The TV show was fun. No. I, I, I just haven't had time to read anything, period. That's why I'm so happy we're back with the books, because it's forcing me to at least reread the chapters yeah. um, in preparation for, for our recording sessions. And I mean, it is so odd to me. I've probably read less than a dozen books this year. Wow. not like me at all. I have not been reading fiction books. I, I haven't, which is not like me at all. I like the fiction, but for some reason, something tells me I need to read all I need to read about the Constitution, what's going on with our world. And <laughs> I'm driving myself nuts with all the knowledge I'm getting. <laughs> but I don't it's how I cope with stuff. So I'm hoping our world will get to the place where I can relax and feel like I don't need to inform myself constantly with all the things. I don't know. I, I should force myself to read something enjoyable. But these are enjoyable. Rereading this yeah, is enjoyable is. to me. So that's good. Angela, what are your last thoughts? <sighs> last thoughts? I don't know. I don't really have last thoughts. I, I'm just latching on to jeans with, with the books. But Shadow of Night, of course, is my favorite, your guys' favorite. So yeah. I can't wait to get through this. But honestly, I really can't wait to get to Book of Life because I'm seeing Shadow of Night, which I already loved, in a new light. And the Book of Life was not my favorite. And I no. can't wait to appreciate it for what it is now. Yes. Okay, so let's go around the table and say what we didn't like about it. I mean, just, I mean, we're, we're always kind in our criticism. Jean, what did you not like about Book of Life? I the fact that the Declaremonts, mostly the Declaremont men, seem somewhat diminished. I mean, okay. yes, we were celebrating Diana's coming into her own and, and feminism and women realizing their power, but it, and so this is based on me and my first reading, is it just seemed like in order to build her up, the armor of especially Philippe seemed to be unnecessarily tarnished, mm. for lack of a better word. But like right. I said, that, that was on my first read. Who knows what will happen read. this time? That was my big complaint. Angela? Same with you. That, that was one element that Matthew was uh, weakened. Mm -hmm. But my main issue, well, part of it is I felt there were so many threads I was going to find out. So many questions were going to get answered in the Book of Life. And I know it was a big endeavor to try to tie up all the loose ends. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, like your goddess story, never got yeah. answered. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. But I felt right. like say she had like a 12 storylines that she, when she teased them all out that she had to somehow get yeah. wrapped up. But little little life. details like Stephen time walking to the period with to another period with the wrong clothes. He was looking right. more like Walter Raleigh than was that was that what it was? I don't remember. Or Ben Franklin than uh than yes, Walter Raleigh. Yes, yes, yes. Right, right, um, right. Sophie Norman's dad who tied the knots so specially. I thought we were gonna find out more about that. I thought we were gonna find out more about Jeffrey, that he is gonna pop up, you know, somewhere not in present day, but you know, that thread would be carried through because they were leaning so much that he was so special or hinting that he could have been a weaver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um just little things like that. I thought, oh, we're gonna find out everything. And maybe that never was the case. Maybe but like I said said in another previous episode, I don't go into things like that anymore with those expectations because it's not about what I want. It's about how right. it really is. And that's how why I look forward is. to it this time. For me, it was... It felt very, okay, show's over. We're wrapping up now. <laughs> they're packing up the furniture. I'm like, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're taking down the curtains, taking down all the backdrops. I'm like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still here. 
I, I have so many, so many questions. Um, there are certain elements of the story where I felt like, well, how convenient that this is happening right now, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, well, but I think that was more due to what I had built up in my head. Yes. Reference Shadow of Night, because when I read A Discovery, which is I was fortunate enough where I didn't have to wait so long and I went right into Shadow of Night and then we waited mm-hmm. <laughs> and then at the end anticipation bubbles started building up in my head and then I was like I can't wait to read about none of what I got right <laughs> oh, sorry yes that was exactly it yeah, yeah well yeah, I was gonna so. say then, then my other my other issue was it seemed like all roads led to Benjamin true true <laughs> which is kind of like where the hell did that come from right and then and that was the other and that also tied into my whole whole business about the diminution of especially Philippe like yes okay Benjamin's this big bad and nobody figured out what the fuck he was up to. I felt like Philippe deserved a hero's death. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of going out like that. By a punk. (laughs) Thank you. By by a punk ass punk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He he didn't get gunned down walking out of Peter Lucas. He got gunned down by somebody trying to shake him down for his wallet. Yeah. I will tell you, I enjoyed the chapter with Gerber. I thought that was... (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed the fuck out of it that he was sitting there trying to hook up with people on on, on Tinder on, on social media and what a mess and Isabel was just like okay Shopping while you're doing that <laughs> now can you picture the Gerbert we know of TV Trevor I know Eve? oh Jesus oh God he's on FetLife for sure <laughs> oh good lord and you know of course we have the whole issue with gallo glass and mm-hmm. there's there's just a whole lot of stuff happening there but you know when we get to that we'll talk it out and i think we'll be fine yeah i, I think I, we will be too i enjoyed that book but not as much as i did shadow of night which was my favorite and a discovery which is was a good entry into shadow of night I, it all leads to shadow of night <laughs> yeah right <laughs> oh i agree for me, but I talk to other people. Book of Life was their favorite, or I'll talk to some people and they'll say Discovery Witches. I think Discovery Witch is a huge favorite for a lot of people. So, yeah. Shadow of Night was, I don't know, the pinnacle. If you didn't have Shadow of Night, it would just be too, I don't know what to say. I don't want to say ordinary bookends, but if you didn't have that fantastical element of Shadow of Night where they time walk, where you meet Philippe, where she comes into her power, where, I mean, there's just so many elements that are um, unique and really make the series. And they're allowed to be without being chased down constantly. Yes. So that was, it was a nice breather in the same way that it was kind of a little stressful because we didn't know what was going on in present day, mm-hmm. but they got to retreat away to this place, to this different place, and we got to learn new things and meet new people. So. And it just felt like such comfortable writing. Well, <laughs> that was her comfort zone. Yes, right. That's where she was in the zone. Yeah. So, any other last thoughts besides that, Angela? She's for <laughs> someone who doesn't have last thoughts. No. <laughs> I'd have to thank you for propping me up. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, my last thoughts, uh, nothing book related. Um, it has to do with TV show. Mm-hmm. The new TV page has been erected Yay. for season two. And... You want to give them the link? 
I will give them the link. I think it is visit.demonsdomain.com slant ADOW TV News. That's A-D-O-W TV News. So. And that'll cover series two and starting with a few tweets right now from Deb and we'll be Valerie, not we. Valerie will be updating it regularly. <laughs> yeah. As I as I feed her, <laughs> Angela's going to feed me the information, and I shall put it up on the page, and that's how that's going to work. Um, so that has been erected. The old page still exists, and it, there's a link to it on the new page. And also, if you go on our master post list, it is listed there too. The run up to season one, 2018. Just click that link, and you'll see everything that happened the year prior when we were doing the run up to the wonderful eight episodes that we got. Also, Redbubble store, fuck the shit, I'm out T-shirt. Get one. It is go.demonsdiscuss.com slant shop. There, a pretty link. I did it. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I have. Anybody else have anything? I'm set. You're set. And all of you people that joined us for the TV reviews and you're sticking with us for the chapters, thank you. We appreciate it. We hope you stick around with us. And we also have chapter reviews, too, listed on a separate page. And you can follow the chapter along with us. That is go.demonsdiscuss.com slant chapters. And you can see all of the chapters from a discovery, which is up to where we're at now. Chapter 23. Our next episode will be chapter 24. Are we going to do chapters or are we going to do a character study? Because it's going to be take 50. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's... Why don't we put, let's put it up for a vote. Okay. Okay. We'll send I'll out an email yeah. to our discussers. We'll give you guys a short fuse and you let us know what you want us to do. We'll put up a vote. Woo. I'm going to have to do that soon because we'll be recording that soon. Yes, we will. Okay. So discussers, keep an eye out on your emails. And if you're not a discusser, we'll put, well, we'll put it up in the group and we'll send out the email. We can put a poll up. Right. And if you're not a discusser in the group or the email, you can join our discusser group and that will be in the show notes or go to demonsdiscuss.com and type in your name and email address in that little form and you can become a discusser that way. So there, that's it. I think I've talked us out. We're good. (laughs) We're good. Anything else? Anybody? Nope. Let us say goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Demon kiss. We'll talk to you in a fortnight. Mm -hmm.